Hello, everyone, and welcome to BXB's Bits and Bobs, episode 40. Oh, this is episode 40. This is a milestone, guys, of our... Uh, it's a real big number, 40. It's a pretty big good, number. It? Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Of our sort of bi-weekly, sometimes once a month, sometimes twice a day uh, podcast. So who, who knows how we do this now? It's whenever we feel like it. Uh, in some ways, we're a bit late with this podcast. In other ways, what's lateness? What's time? What is what is that? That is just a concept. We can define that. And with me today, as always, defining reality itself is Richard Worrell. Um, defining reality? Am I some sort of Jesus Christ figure now? You get bored for Jesus Christ. You need to grow the line, and then you could be more Jesus Christy. Yeah. How about that? Can you can you handle that? I haven't made a dig about your baldness in a while, so I thought it was time. Thanks. <laughs> You can hear scrubbing. The yeah, she's finishing up the baking. It is a Sunday morning podcast. We come to you here, which is a strange time of day to be doing a podcast and a strange day, I suppose, in many ways, on a Sunday morning. But yeah, so there's baking going on, and then and then I've just had to call Joel Summerfield in from frolicking in the fields of sunflowers, which is what he often does on a Sunday morning. Joel, isn't that right? <laughs> That's what I've been doing most weekday evenings. I, I was thinking though, it, uh, don't they say life starts at forty? Can we can we get on that bandwagon with our with our podcast number? So like people are going to actually start listening to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this I, like, is, I like that. This yeah. is like a a yeah. soft reboot. Yeah. So, so, so how are we going to make it different? How are we going to sort of set this this reboot apart from the forty uh, thirty nine episodes that have come before? Joel, this was your idea. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting we, to brainstorm. Yeah, Come on, maybe start talking sense or something like that. <laughs> but I've just established that. I've just established that we define reality. Mm. Why? Why would we want to start talking sense at this point? That just seems, that seems like a step backwards. No. Would, would, no. Do you want to open with a bit of a philosophy every week? Maybe so. That's uh, the thought for the next fortnight is about reality. What is reality? Letters, uh, emails to kind of thing. I, I, I quite like that. That's that's quite deep. I mean, in a way, though, we've we've all been watching um, some sci-fi TV, which does in many ways deal with things like time, reality, dimensions and stuff to that effect, doesn't it? So there is a there is a connection there in a way. Uh, I think we've all watched a little of the newest hot thing on Netflix, which is Altered Carbon. Is that right? Mm, yeah, we have. And uh, I almost hope it wasn't real itself. So uh, you still just watched the first two episodes, Rich? Yeah, yeah, I've not right. gone past that yet. I was well, hoping you might fill in some of the blanks for me so I can enjoy the rest because I'm really not at the moment. Well, that's what I watched last night, and I'm not I'm not gonna because I've read the book, I'm not gonna go into um I can't talk about it too much because it'd just be massive spoilers. Um, but I can sort of see the problems you've got with that so far. Though, those first two episodes, it just feels like the way it's been cut together and edited, it just feels so disjointed at times. Mm. Um, and I really struggle to find like a, a character to root for and a narrative to really get into at this point. Um, it just feels very odd. I mean, the one thing you can't deny is there's so much money on that screen. It's, oh, yeah. it's crazy mm. how much money they put into this show. Um, you know, the fact that you've got whole sets that get used once, like, and then it's just thrown out and then there's masses of CGI brilliant future scape city stuff like you know really really nice visuals but i also have a bit of an issue with the fact that this is meant to be like an indeterminate but you know many 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 hundreds of years in the future and everything looks a bit a bit like it does right now at times it's like i think things would look perhaps a teensy bit more different that's that one of the, the fundamental future. issues i've got with it and it's mm. i don't think it's a plot spoiler or anything what i'm 
interested in getting out of you is more of the world building stuff. Make this world make sense to me because it just doesn't at the minute. So the, if, the, sleeping... the, the basic premise is that a guy has been put to sleep for 250 years and then he's brought back to solve a crime. Right. But the, but more importantly to it is the is the how and the why and the and the and the yeah mostly the how he's put to sleep because the on the concept of backing up basically who you are into uh, into data which can then be uploaded into any body yeah. uh, literally any physical body um, that's where this world becomes so interesting because yeah uh, it's sort of a spoiler they use it for interstellar travel and they use it um, for in sort of like being able to infiltrate. Um, and he can literally, you can literally go into any body. And one thing that started to get sort of introduced in the second episode was that it's not just a case of this guy being a fucking badass, which he is. It's that he's also a master manipulator and that he can, he can like, yeah, yeah. he can make anything, anybody basically can be one round by his, uh, I don't know, like magical powers to see all the details and everything. Um, yeah. It's 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 like he's got that highest tier of charisma in Fallout. Yeah, that's it. It is. That, <laughs> there you go. That's it. Um, and I think I think the show has the potential to improve. I think it's struggling from the. It's trying to do a lot of world building, um, and it's giving you a lot of concepts very quickly, very early on, and it just throws you in there. Um, and even though I've read the book, I was sort of I was sat there with my brow furrowed for quite a lot of it, going, oh, "Just just take a breath, like just just." Make something make sense. All these signs and portents, and these yeah. these things that are in his head, and there's things that are real, and it's like Christ, just chill out. Like how many how many different concepts do you need to throw at the audience at once? It, it's a it's a bit of a bit of a mess right now. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it as well, Richard. I think yeah, because yeah. I think it's interesting. It's daring. It is, and I just I'm trying to get over the world building stuff and get into the story because. There's just some things that are just so jarring, and I can't get over them. Do you know what? No, my biggest problem is supposed to be 250 years in the future. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's meant to be 250 years in the future from when he died, which is already yeah. hundreds of years in the fucking future. Oh yeah, yeah. But 250 so... years relative from any point in someone's life is a long time away, right? Yeah. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so he wakes up. And he seems to know everything about this place. He asked, he gets asked to look through a telescope at one point, and the fella says, "What's that?" He's like, "Yeah, that's a military satellite." How do you know, mate? You haven't seen him for two hundred and fifty well, years. That is that is sort of explained in in and around that sort of scene. I believe it's that it's that as we've got further into the future, development and the changes of humanity have slowed down a lot. Yeah. So I think what they're saying is that yeah. 250 years from right now where we are obviously was like the dark ages almost in comparison to where we are with technology but as we get further into the future those developments slow you know incrementally based on the further we get so i think yeah. they're saying that a lot hasn't changed in 250 years which is like in a way is its own commentary on it should communicate that though because i'm but, going into this thinking right demolition man this is going to be all about three <laughs> seashells and <laughs> Yeah, there's the stuff that he doesn't know because he's a man out of time. And there's none of that. He just knows. No, no there is. Remember when he puts on the adverts? Yeah. And we get that trip. That's all new to him, and he's that's why he's struggling with it because he's never experienced all the yeah. the eye the into your eyeball advertising. No ad blockers in altered carbon, except okay. when she puts one on him. I suppose. Yeah. So there he, is, there he doesn't is do a very good job of communicating. Well, 
the freshness of experiences. That's, that's kind of my big problem is Joel yeah. Kinnaman. Um, yeah. he, he seems to mumble his way through most scenes. Um, I actually struggle to hear a lot of the dialogue um, mm. he's delivering because he's like, uh, like that. that's a lot of it. And he's just he's so laconic. And it's just like, I just don't give a shit about this guy. Mm. And then and then the detective lady has one position in acting, which is angry. And she's just <laughs> yeah. angry all the time about everything and everyone for no reason that we know of yet, though. Trust me, it, it, you do find out why she's angry. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like. There's not a lot to root for, is there? Um, no, there's not. And I've, I've watched it so far because, like you say, there's so much money on screen. It yeah. looks lovely. Yeah, totally. And you kind of just want to just see more of it, even if it's not making much sense. But I'll stick with it. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll use that as a sort of a segue a little bit. Joel, another show with a lot of money on screen is Star Trek Discovery. Mm. And, uh, how, how far in are you, Richard? Because we be careful yeah. with spoilers yeah. if you're not up to date. Oh, barely in at all. Oh, First, okay. Same. Two, so, first two episodes. I've left it since then. Right. Ow. Yeah, because it started off really well. So I'm, I'm up to date with it. Um, it started off really well. It had a bit of a cold middle just before it sort of went to the um, mid-season break. And it's just come back from the mid-season break. And it's really hit the ground running. I'm really, really yeah. loving the, the the last three episodes. They're just like, wow, this is, I can't believe it. This is brilliant. Um, what are your thoughts, Ben, then? You, you think the same? So I, I think the two <clears> big <throat> twists that have happened, <clears throat> I, I predicted from episode one or two, well, basically when that character got introduced. But I kind of like the fact that these weren't twists as such as they were, if you were paying attention, you could have worked it out. Mm -hmm. it's not, it doesn't feel like lazy storytelling. It feels like the storytelling has just has been justified. Like they've laid the breadcrumbs down there. If you're a Star Trek fan, if you know about how characters work in this universe and stuff, and so the things about uh, the security chief and about the captain, you're like, ah, this has played out in the way I, I wanted it to, and it's played out in a way that feels very uh, justified and satisfying. And now I'm really excited to see mm. what the new status quo is. And I, I think it's the most, one of the most unique, well, it's certainly like unlike any other Star Trek I've ever seen. Yeah. Like yeah, it's absolutely. completely mental. Um, and it's taken me this long to kind of accept the fact that it, <laughs> I still don't really think it's Star Trek. But I, I I like it for what it is now, mm. and I can I can enjoy it on its own grounds. Um, yeah, they've made some very bold moves with um, the settings and the stories and stuff like that. So I I was yeah I was pretty impressed. You know to do a to do these long serialized story arcs. You know like three episodes we spent on that last storyline, mm. um, and I thought that was that was quite cool. Um, and it and, and what it is as well is it seems to be. Um, when Brian Fuller was originally attached to this as the showrunner, he wanted to do an anthology sort of set up almost like American horror story. So each series would be uh, a different time point, you know, for Star Trek and a different set of characters. And it feels like they've kind of looked at that and gone, well, that instead of that kind of crazy, you know, all over storytelling, we're just going to throw all of that at it immediately. And we're just going to tell these very disparate, big concept Star Trek storylines all on this one ship and um i i think yeah i've really grown to like some of the characters i i really disliked saru but he's really come into his own mm. uh, i really dislike the engineer um his name i can never remember um but he's really coming to his own as well yeah um i even kind of like tilly now uh, and michael burnham he's mm. very much the center so she's very much the sort of somewhat predictable rock of it so i can understand why she doesn't have the biggest sort of 
peaks and troughs in her character, but uh, I even like her. I, I mean, yeah, it's been very good. Um, mm. What did you think? Were you caught by surprise by the either of the two big twists? Or did I, you actually, sort of I actually was. So I didn't really... Um... I didn't really see any of that. Uh, I I kind of it was. I I think I got the the big one of the big twists literally about um, two minutes before it was actually announced on screen. So I only just got there. But yeah, they they all caught me out, and I was genuinely just like, "Wow, this is really good." Um, uh, yeah, I, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I'm really beginning to like the characters. I I like how um they've it, you know yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like it's not a next generation thing. It's very different. It's got these it seems much more planned out where they've got these long story arcs that have been set up throughout um throughout the hub you know from the start basically building up to this subtly and things yeah i'm i'm really looking for you know it's kind of i'm at the point now where every monday i just want to watch the episode straight away so yeah i'm actually quite excited for tomorrow <laughs> yeah i mean i'm really curious as to yeah. what happens where next. that episode ended and it's oh oh shit okay how do they get themselves out of that hole mm. um deep fucking hole um so i'm 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 yeah, i'm really curious to see what they're gonna do um yeah really really good like really really good sci-fi uh surprisingly good uh richard i hope that wasn't too spoilery for you he's he's muted right now You're sorry there's lots of clattering in the kitchen so i was on mute sorry. but no that's not too spoilery i've you should uh, watch it man yeah, yeah I, I definitely want to i did kind of enjoy those first two episodes and um i think i told myself I'll wait until there's more of a run and I can just blitz it. How big is it then? That seems to have been running for weeks now. 13 episodes or 14 are up to now. Yeah, something like that. I don't know what the I don't know what the season run is um right now. And then and then finally on uh, our little sci-fi jaunt. I've definitely been watching a lot of sci-fi recently. Uh I'm re-watching Babylon 5 on Pick TV. Um and uh I'm trying to support the fact that it's being broadcast you know, reruns and stuff like that. You know, see my viewership. See see the four people watching it and commission a new show. God damn it. It's still one of the best pieces of science fiction on TV and it makes all this stuff we're talking about seem fucking amateurish in comparison when it comes to storytelling. Yes, yes, the money's not there. Yes, the aliens look really fucking silly half the times. But uh, just for writing alone, it is just sublime. Just sublime characters. And if you've never watched Babylon 5, we're at the point in the reruns where it's at its fucking best. So I highly recommend checking that out. Nobody's saying anything. I can only assume you're both heathens that don't understand how amazing it. Babylon 5 is. I've never watched it. I watched one episode and saw the same space sequence repeated, I think, three times. And I thought, oh, there's no money in this show. <laughs> I never watched it again. <laughs> well, I can't argue with the money thing, but it, it's for the it's for the writing and the characters you watch it. Like yeah. it is it is honestly amazing, like well written, just so so well written um, by JMS. Um, anyway, so shall we get into video game stuff, guys? Because we've been away a while, and there's been some fairly large announcements. I think so. I think it's yeah. we should touch on some of these little news points. Some of them connect quite nicely. Um, let's start with the big out of left field wow is it out of left field if nintendo keep doing weird shit i suppose it's kind of the norm for them now but even by their standards this was pretty fucking weird and that's nintendo labo so kind of without any warning as the the pans serenade this announcement uh without any warning nintendo came out and went do you know what the future in video games is cardboard and we we're, we're going to sell you cardboard and you're going to have fun with your kids yeah it's weird isn't it Super um, weird. it's obviously not for me as a nearly 40 year old man 
but even I still kind of want to try it out. <laughs> it's it's just um, you're telling me you're not going to buy it, Richard, because I don't believe you. You don't tell me. Well, I'm going to tell you now that I'm not going to buy it, and then when it comes out, we'll see what happens. Hey, eh? you know what I'm like. <laughs> It's fair enough. I thought if anybody was going to buy it, Richard would. Yeah, <laughs> I really did. Um, I can I can see myself in that robot costume. But so what's... It's, it's just yeah. um, the perfect fusion, I think, between what kids like doing um, when they're young is play. You know, it's the, it's the older Dash people when they're like five, six, they prefer to play with the boxes to their toys rather than the toys themselves. So why not make the box the toy and incorporating that into you know, a high-tech platform like the Switch and just going back to the absolute basics of a sheet of cardboard. Um, I just think it's genius that they've worked those two things together. But the inventiveness of how they've done it as well. Um, I'm sure this won't be the end of it, but the trailer's got all sorts of different uh, toys and tools that you can um, build. And that that's the key to it as well. It's not just the experience, the end product. The fact that you've got to build it, color it in and customize it. It's a very tactile product and unlike anything else that you can get in the toy space so it should hopefully make a big impact the only concern i'd have with it is um you know if you buy a box of lego you've got the lego that's it you'd need to have a switch for this to work so um, i wonder whether the barrier might be a bit too high um i i I, well they're looking at their install base aren't they and going it's Mm. just going up every five seconds and by the millions and i don't think they're too worried about you know, not enough people having switches where this would be a relevant product for them. Um, just so this, it's really kind of a weird one to describe, isn't it? What it actually is. So yeah. it's, it's, you get like cardboard sheets and you pop out the cardboard sheets and you make a contraption. It could be a fishing rod. It could be like a little toy piano. And then your switch will interact with those devices that you've constructed from cardboard in various ways so it could be you know incorporating say the the controllers into the to it so there's like a form of um back and forth communication between the tablet and the controllers uh, or you know the the fishing rod will interact with the screen you know if there's a fishing mini game or something like that but that while that sort of sounds quite pedestrian the way it's presented it's just so much charm and joy and happiness and just fun nintendo get fun like no other sort of video game company does you know this crossover media is is absolutely bonkers and it's got a lot of people very sort of excited i'm I'm talking about adults i mean i think there's a there's a whimsy to it that really appeals to the gamer you know that you know we, we we are obviously as a a lot of gamers, due to our mindset, we like to be transported to other worlds. We like to play in interactive spaces. We, we like toys. We like that stuff. That's the nature of gaming is, is, you know, that kind of entertainment. So I think, yeah, while it seems to ostensibly be for the kids, I know a lot of adults are going to at least pick up the starter pack and give it a go. Um, because, you know, why not? I don't know if I will. Um, I really don't. But I'd, I'd kind of like to try it so that my curiosity might override my purchasing sense as it were mm. what about you joel oh, i'm quite actually excited about it but i think the appeal for me is that obviously i've got a, a three and a half year old son who Do you have an excuse almost <laughs> perfect <laughs> yes. um yeah it's to me it's i wonder if they've worked a bit and, and then wanting people to buy it's going to be so expensive so they somehow managed to come up with a really cheap solution to to sort of facilitate a, a, a compilation of mini games with um interactive toys really i think it's brilliant um I'm really. I haven't pre-ordered it yet, and I'm not sure if I will pre-order, but I will probably buy it very shortly after it is released. 
I'm, I'm really excited. I, I, I'm really impressed by the complexity of some of the contraptions. Like you say, that piano uh, works by um, having you put the Joy-Con inside it and it's sort of, uh, I think you put some reflective tape on the inside of some of the keys and then the IR camera on the Joy-Con can detect which key you're playing, tapping down to play the right note. It's ingenious. This is crazy. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm so impressed with some of the sort of models and contraptions that they've managed to come up with out of cardboard that... Yeah, I think I'll have a great time, and um, I don't have to worry too much about my son destroying them, which will inevitably happen, um, because I believe that they, the nets could be made available for free, so people will probably just do cheap alternatives. Um, you'll probably Nintendo will probably even allow to buy them separately after a while. I imagine just buy some replacement cardboard sheets and stuff. So yeah, I think it's um, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I, 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 it really makes me wonder some of the stuff that goes on in Nintendo's kind of yeah. R&D labs. If, if this is one of the few things, you know, they, imagine that they do 10 things and every out of all those 10 they do, only one of them actually gets to market. Imagine how the other nine more, stuff's like. There's got to be something in Nintendo. They're like, yeah. no, that is too crazy. <laughs> but this comes yeah, I mean, out. <laughs> or, or is it like, is it like the, the was it the 10th the man rule? Where it's just like, well, if nine people say no, the one person that says yes to the idea, that means it must be greenlit. Because it's 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 this crazy kind of like, yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see inside like that pitch meeting. Can you, you imagine? Right. So mm. we've got this cardboard and this is animated Japanese fella. He's just jumping up and down in front of his PowerPoint mm. telling you how it's going to work. It would be it, my God. And then it's to not, say yes to it. It's not actually that crazy for Nintendo because they did used to make stuff like that. Obviously not with technology mm. built into it, but they used to oh, make I... foldable cards. I know what you're saying, but we're in 2018. I mean, it's kind of like it's pretty crazy by today's standards, isn't it? I mean, this this oh, idea yeah. of moving, just moving mean, back from the tech. Speak, speaking internally to um, you know the Nintendo board, it would be a, a reasonable sell. I would suggest to say, oh, this is our heritage. This is where we started. We can bring this back, bang up to date with our current technology. Yeah, it's difficult sometimes. I think as as Western gamers and stuff, we understand Western companies and we understand the Western studios a bit easier because of it. Uh, I think it's just a different culture, isn't it? I mean, the way you know, we'll talk about one of the games, you know, Monster Hunter World, which is we'll talk about that later. Me and Richard have been playing lots of that. And it's like there is there are some distinct differences to the stuff that is brought out from the US and, the, and Europe compared to what comes out from Japan. And, and this mm. is... Yeah, well, there's a reason that you know they're still a, a big player in the space, aren't they? So, yeah, excited, can't wait to see. It's when is it? When is it coming? When is it? June, uh, March or April? I think it might be April. Yeah, I know it's something like that. Yeah, I remember there was a date, but I honestly can't remember what it was now. Just um, after my birthday, guys. Wait, perfect present, perfect present for Richard. Have some cardboard. <laughs> there you go. Um, we'll make you our own version of it, Richard. <laughs> yeah, that, yes. No, I like that. Yes, like you make someone a card. We'll make you a fake Labo set. Yeah, BXB Labo set. Definitely branded. Definitely. Uh, right. Let's move on to kind of like one of the bigger topics that sort of organically emerged in the uh, in the last few weeks because of uh, some announcements that have been made. So the first one I want to mention is uh, Xbox came out, and I thought this was a huge announcement, by the way. Xbox have come out and said, if you are a member of the Game Pass um, subscription service, which is, I think, £8 a month, and it gets you a library of about 120 games right now, 360 and Xbox One titles, um, going forward, all first-party releases will be included within that subscription day and date of release i think that's fucking huge um honestly that's i think one of the boldest 
bravest, most interesting moves to be made by uh, one of the big console manufacturers in quite some time. Mm. Um, I was already a subscription since the trial code came um, with my Xbox One X. I thought, why not? I'm going to get in on this because it's always good to see what happened in that sort of front. Uh, and I can handle eight quid a month. And now that they're, you know, they're bringing out this, this is crazy. This is insane. So Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2, you know, Halos, Forzas, Gears of Wars, all of those will be included within that eight pound a month price. Um, down three. Crackdown 3, if, yeah, exactly. That was the one I forgot there, I think, from the, the more recent releases, yeah. Um, so, guys, I mean, how did you take this news? Uh, I wasn't sure whether to believe it. I did have to check the calendar and see if it's April. But, um, mm. yeah, it's insane. It's a, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? I was on the fence about uh, Xbox Game Pass because, like you, I buy lots of games. Mm. Most of the stuff that's in in that package I already have. And the stuff that I haven't got, I'd struggle to find time to play it. Um, but yeah, the the stuff that's going to be put in this pack now, um, starting with Sea of Thieves, is stuff that I would buy anyway. So if I can get it for eight pounds a month, or actually nothing, because I've got a few codes for probably about three months worth of of subscription stacked up, ready to use for when I felt like I was going to use it, um, I can play Sea of Thieves for nothing now. So, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant deal for me. And probably once I'm in, I suppose their thinking is once you're in, you'll keep it going because it is only £8. That's not a vast sum if they're going to start including big gun titles like that. Well, I mean, even once you're in, if you're paying eight pound a month, you're looking at twelve months. You know, you, you you think of it that way. You're you're paying for it, you know, but with two big game releases. If yeah. two big game releases come out that you want in that year, you've now covered your cost. And I think you know, on top of all those little games, what I like about Game Pass is when I when I subscribe and I start poking through it, I found a lot of games that I hadn't bought that I wouldn't mind trying. And so I've kind of like, you know, I downloaded about like 20 games just, just to give them a shot. And, you know, I've discovered stuff I wouldn't not necessarily have played because I wouldn't necessarily have bought them at first glance. But because they're part of the subscription, yeah. I've given them a go. And and this just shows, I think, Microsoft's commitment to this whole concept of game as a service. Um, it's only going to get bigger for them. Um, you know, how long until we get Game Pass exclusive games? That's the next thing, isn't it? Much like, you know, the Netflix model. Um, you know, how long until that starts to appear? I don't think it'll be that long, honestly. Uh, I think they're, they're really getting behind it. Who I just, nobody would have predicted this kind of move from Microsoft, you know. This is this is a big, a big aggressive, uh, you know, new stance to take. Joel, are you won over on this or are you... I'm actually thinking it's uh, very exciting. Um, so, am I one over guess? Because much like uh, much like your Netflix service, just filling it up with um, old crap. Well, it's not necessarily crap, but I think you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, isn't necessarily going to onboard everybody. It's great for people who may have just bought an Xbox and and don't really buy many games. Um, but yeah, for people like us or who are regular gamers, it doesn't really offer that much value. This takes it from offering little value to me to offering a like you say a staggering amount of value it's yeah two or three triple a titles that you may already buy anyway is um you know you're now going to get for free and it covers it literally pays for itself um and it almost it solves another dilemma of kind of potentially ownership of games because obviously if you buy games digitally the you know you're purely buying a license to play that game it's got so many caveats in it about you know those games may disappear one day game pass kind of solves that complexity because you don't feel like you're ever owning it's just like a subscription rental service and you'll you'll get comfortable with the idea that um content will come and go i guess as, as time moves on um yeah i, I think it's a, a a very bold move think about 
EA access and you know their 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 first steps to thinking about trying it and how cautious they were about well we'll give you 10 hours of our our sort of brand new titles to sort of buy them and things and then you can buy them at a discount and then perhaps one year after they've released we'll start rolling them into the service for free uh, this is the the opposite end of the scale it's just literally yeah day one launches they'll be there um yeah it's 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 yeah it's, i think it's fantastic I, it certainly changed my mind i'm i'm just holding off on the hope that what they'll do is they'll wrap it up into a sort of xbox live platinum i guess or something like that um so you you, you get your live and and your game pass all wrapped up as one sort of monthly sub for i don't know how much they'll charge 10 pounds a month maybe or something so yeah i think it's i think it's brilliant yeah <laughs> it does I, I, position microsoft quite strongly as well hmm. i mean as a platform that's future-proofed, they're beyond anyone else in the console space now quite comfortably uh, because to back up this Game Pass service, they've got backwards compatibility, native compatibility with um, Xbox 360, even original Xbox titles now. And yeah. as that grows, they will have the ultimate platform for a sort of a consistent gaming experience and a subscription model that can offer you everything playstation kind of are toying in that space but it's only via streaming and the mm. game selection is very limited yeah now so... seems like a half measure yeah. uh, <laughs> it compare it to what xbox is doing now mm. um you know we, we we've talked about this generation quite a bit over the last few years and stuff you know and and what xbox has had to do to compete and i think you know it's great when when competition really drives innovation like this and i think that's what we're seeing we're seeing a company having to evolve and move forward and change its way of doing things to compete with sony's kind of like very firm strong uh leadership position right now but very much old school they're, they're quickly becoming uh, this sort of almost almost a relic of how things were done in the previous generation and i think people like that that to a degree because there's a level of comfort to it but you know look at where look at where xbox originally tried to position themselves with the digital only always online model before the gate before the console came out and look at how we're almost back there and i think it's taken some time to win people over but slowly you know but surely microsoft are moving that platform in that direction and i think that is the future people couldn't swallow yeah. it so much then but it's, it's i think it's as if people are fine now. with it as long as you don't tell them it's happening right yeah <laughs> people are i was i was always a defender of that original concept but um i i think it's hilarious to see that quietly you know the the it's not like xbox is failing it's you know tens of millions of units behind sony yeah but at the time it's still sold tens of millions of units you know like it, it's a big selling console much like much like playstation is it's a very good time for consoles in general with switch as well um so i think you know seeing this innovation then we don't even consider nintendo in this discussion do we of course that's the funny thing they're not even in the same ballpark for the sort of moving forward but that's fine they've got their own niche they'll do their own thing um but i i think e3 could be very exciting for what joel suggested basically i think we're going to see we're going to see probably a uh i think they can't justify game pass at that price so i think it will somehow get wrapped together with Xbox Live. I think that makes so much sense now that you bring those two properties together and have like a giant mm -hmm. overarching subscription, you know, simplify it for the consumer, mm -hmm. really push it. Um, 
you know, maybe increase your, your games with gold um, offerings as well, the free games you're going to get. You know, tie it all together, Game Pass, games with gold, all of that under one umbrella, and I think you've got an absolute winner. Um, nice, genius, man. I'm, I'm so excited to see how well it's done. I mean, and like Richard said, a lot of people say, oh, I've got some free codes, I'm holding on to some free codes. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, but I honestly think right now value, you know, the value can't be argued with. You can't ignore the, the value proposition of this. That's that's what I said when I posted this news. It's now Game Pass is impossible to ignore as as a really good value additive service for the for the platform. So pretty excited, I have to say. Uh, let's let's quickly talk about Nintendo then in in connection to that because their paid online service is going to launch in <laughs> September. Mm. Wasn't it meant to come out like a couple of months after the console? Did I? Did I forget? I'm I think sure. no. Yeah, <clears throat> they did delay it. They delayed it and delayed it and delayed it and delayed it and delayed it. Um, so this this is offering a form of games and service, isn't it? Because they're going to give classic NES, SNES potentially era games away as part of the subscription. Is that correct? I remember them talking That's about that. Joel, all they've said they That's they've kind they've of <clears throat> changed their messaging on this because mm. originally they came out and said there'd be a cycle of maybe a couple of games a month that you could rotate in and out with this subscription. So after a month, you would lose mm. that game, the NES or the SNES, and you'd have another one. They've rolled back on that and said that there will now be an archive that you can pick freely from. Who knows what it contains, uh, but that's a step forward. But there's still no word on what else this platform is. They originally delayed it when the app came out because it was so... Um, poorly serviced there's basically no functionality there beyond offering some voice chat uh, through a, a, a phone rather than the console itself <laughs> and i'm not sure what they've done to address that problem because people do not want it um so yeah it's, it's interesting that they've announced now after all this time that it is coming in september without actually telling us what that means you'd think they'd have learned the lesson and given us something to look forward to really We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I'm greatly <laughs> confused as to what this offering is. To be honest, I don't think anybody really knows, no, do no. they? I don't. Well, I don't think anyone really do. You know, is anyone really actually interested in it? I think what's it? Twenty pound a year, isn't it? Is yeah. what mm -hmm. the current initial um, get you in prices. And I think yeah, there's a they'll be adding a new NES game. I think they said to this archive, which uh, yeah, it doesn't particularly excite me too much. I think I've you know <laughs> okay. uh, yeah it's it's not and and then why yeah the other question is why do i need to pay for an online service for nintendo i'm sort of looking at my library of games and i think the only one that i've actually played online uh has been yeah mm. every every other game i've played multiplayer but it's always been local with uh, people in the same room uh, different switches or two people on one switch and things so mario kart and arms so yeah i'm kind of He's just gonna. Are they now? Does that mean that Splatoon Online is suddenly going to stop working if I don't pay the twenty pounds? This I is something understand. I wasn't sure about. I don't know whether it's, a, you know, the service is the app, and you just you just get that additional function functionality. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes. I've <laughs> um, been able to do voice chat and arrange invitations on your phone. I've tried that once with you, Ben. It didn't really work that well, nope. did it? Nope. So ever since then i've just played multiplayer on the console as it comes so I've, it would be craziness wouldn't it for them to block that 
Mm. Presumably, they're just charging for the app and whatever extra functionality that brings. But God, I hope it's more than they've got in there now. Be curious to see. I mean, I imagine we'll hear, well, they don't really do E3, but they'll have a direct, won't they, at E3? So we'll see if any news comes out of that in June slash July. I'm not sure when E3 is this year. I have to look that up. Um, so, I mean, talking about a library of games. So and this also ties in, of course, to the announcement we were just talking about with Xbox. So there's a rumor floating around that Xbox are looking to buy up uh, publishers, developers, people to get under their house to make more first-party games. And this rumor kind of came about from a report indicating that the one they're looking at may be EA. Now, I think EA is absolute and utter bullshit. They're never going to buy EA. That's no ridiculous. Um, <laughs> however, however, I wanted to pose this to you guys as kind of a hypothetical. Um, if they were going to publish buy a publisher or a developer, who would you like to see come under the Xbox banner? And, but then the problem is people are arguing the Xbox needs exclusives, first-party exclusives. I think the whole idea of exclusives tied to consoles is absolutely fucking bullshit. So I'm not a big fan of that anyway. But let's just say Microsoft are going to buy a studio you know, or a publisher. Who would you like to see them pick up? Hmm. Who's left? Well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> Who's not under a giant umbrella already? Because you'd say, like, EA would give them Bioware, right? Which would be pretty fucking cool, right? We could, we could, I could see Microsoft doing a lot with a strong Western RPG developer. Yeah. But they've also already got uh, Turn 10, who've pivoted with a new team, who sounds like they're making a new Fable game. So they've already got potentially a team ramped up for I that kind of developer. Turn 10 doing that. It's oh, sorry, Playground. Playground, not Turn 10. I always get the two confused. Yeah, Playground. So the Horizon guys, not the not the Forza Motorsport guys. That's yeah. it. Um, so yeah, I mean, so Joel, you mentioned the rumor of Valve. I, I, I saw the rumor that, and you know, naturally people are throwing names around. Now, I think <clears throat> if you think about it, um, backwards in the sense of why, why might they want to be buying publishers? I think there is some potential, um, I think there's a reason to believe that Microsoft will be looking to purchase, um, some content i'm not i don't want to say publishers necessarily or studios but i think they'll, they'll be after content so if you look at netflix and amazon which are you know currently the subscription models that they'll be looking to they'll be inspiring them for game pass and things what they need to do uh, sorry netflix and amazon are spending billions on exclusive content because they know that content is key content is what will attract people to their services and keep them keep them subscribing to, to watch things so microsoft Perhaps this is the next stage for Game Pass. They've added their exclusives already. They've they've thrown in their content they've got, so they want to add more content to it now. So I can see there's probably some sense in Microsoft wanting to buy people, but I imagine that at any stage in time, like Microsoft will always be looking to buy people for acquisitions or anything. So um, yeah, I, I mentioned Valve earlier. I'd just seen some rumors that people were saying they were sniffing around Valve, but we were just having a brief chat before. I, I have no idea how much Valve would cost. No one really knows how much money Valve make. They don't really publish much of the figures for the for the income they get from Steam and stuff. Everything's pretty much estimated. I think Valve, they're big, but Valve don't also make content. They're just a publishing platform, really, these days. They're very little on the content front. Now, they would Microsoft maybe specifically buy rights or ownership of something like half-life or something like that of valve i could see something about that something that gives them a brand that they can then build the games for uh, so what you're talking about this is the interesting thing microsoft has shown with the purchase of mohang and and minecraft that they are willing to own uh, a big brand that will then still mm. exist and get published on other platforms 
-hmm. right so they've already shown that they they are cool with that so this acquisition this idea that your joel was describing that they want content for their service but that only makes sense if it's exclusive content yes. right so so what they, they they grab ea or valve and they say you know so in ea's case the next mass effect will only be available on xbox game pass right wow. that just sounds nuts that just sounds like you're gonna lose more money than you're gonna gain in subscribers to your service do you what, know what i mean what, what what if they buy the rights to mass effect from ea as opposed to uh let's not say they won't buy ea but a, a, i think of ea's probably main income stream is going to be their sports games and yes. they'll want them to be multi-platform yes, i don't course, think yeah. they'll be willing to give that up but the other content around that um, franchises like Mass Effect and things like that um, might be up for grabs, you know, for the right price. And what uh, like do you do with, with the... Gears of War? Pardon? Like they did with Gears of War, they bought yeah. the rights. For yeah, that. and and well, that's maybe around what, what that was always might be doing. Mm. That was always an... see what you're. T that's a bit difficult because you're already talking about something that was already exclusive to the platform. What you what we're kind of talking about here is if they bought the rights to Mass Effect, does that mean they remove? any access to any of the previous trilogy from any other system uh playstation uh, switch well it was never on the switch but it would be the playstation because i believe they would probably keep it on the pc they still have an interest in pc yes. gaming and yeah, so i'm sure game be, pass will reach to that as well X xbox and pc game pass will uh yeah any um any games that are cross play will work so if you've got a game pass subscription you can play um game pass games so on your pc so see if right. should work for example that's been confirmed that's cool um yeah, so I think they rather than they may buy some individual studios, um, but I think they may go after some key, key bits of content. I, see, it's weird at this point with Microsoft. I almost think they ain't that bothered about first like exclusives. They're really not. They're trying to become this catch-all platform that appeals to everyone, which has got you know. I think they just want to broaden what they've got rather than narrowing it. I really what, don't think the Xbox think they're not is bothered about exclusives? exclusives because where are they, Richard? They've canned them all. They think scale bound. I mean, like you know, Fable, Fable, Fable went. Yeah, but Fable went when Molyneux went, really, didn't it? I mean, that's that well, was they, that they wasn't really there. Into it for a while. I don't think it's right to say that they're not interested in exclusives. They've just botched them for a long time. Mm -hmm. So you, you've got to look at the motivation Maybe. for this rumor that they're buying up studios. Well why what's the motivation the moyang thing is different they bought a long-running platform mm -hmm. really um it's not just a studio that will build games for them in the future they bought minecraft knowing that that is a multi-billion dollar industry that will run for years and years and years all the merchandising rights so everything associated with that that's a different proposition to buying a studio that will build games for your platform and the question is, is that something they're interested in? Do they want another Alan Wake or Quantum Break? Would they want to buy someone like Remedy? Um, well, they wouldn't buy Remedy because they make a game once every fucking six years. So, you know, they're, they're probably not interested in something. They, they, they need a catalogue. If you're talking about wanting to, like, really... Do, that's why people are talking about publishers rather than developers. Because it's like they're talking about buying up an entire catalogue of titles, which they could then pivot into right, so they, an exclusive lineup. So they want more IP then, essentially. Mm. Is what yeah, right. but stuff that comes can come out quick. I, th I think that this rumor is is so much fucking bullshit though, because it's been it's been created off of the back of Phil talking about you know they still care that they're looking and all this, and then it's just wishful thinking. It's just come out of people going, oh yeah, yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? That would solve all their problems. It's it's come out of completely nowhere. 
But um, I, I and, think and it they're more interested in making the same mistakes as the past as well. I mean, they bought Rare, they bought Lionhead, they've they've run studios into the ground before because they've bought them and not exploited their strengths. Yep. Um, so yep. yeah, I'd rather they didn't buy anybody if that's going to happen again. I, I think I think second party deals are much more likely, like jo Joel was inferring, than in first party purchases. Yeah, I think deals with yeah timed exclusives and um the next iteration of this or that particular ip that's being developed but you know not the whole library i think that's what they'll be looking at doing more than and that's what they've shown they've already been doing so i, I suspect they'll just keep on on that road um okay so that's that's that and it kind of ties in so I'm trying to think where we should take this next um so we've got some like delay announcements which are always fun so talking about ea uh anthem guys anthem it's been delayed into 2019. <laughs> yes. I know you're shocked. I know you're all very shocked. Try not. Don't cry. Joel, stop crying. Joel, Joel, hold back the tears, Joel. Come on, get it together, man. Get it together. God. <laughs> it's, oh, <well. clears throat> but the funniest thing about it is that it, it, it it's not that it's been delayed. It's that uh, EA would try to say it's not a delay. Um, but I actually went back to look at the E3 press conference. Just did they actually say a date? Maybe, maybe I, maybe they didn't. Maybe they're they right. Yeah. A delay. And they, they did. They did. They printed on the screen that it would be uh, like full 2018. Um, it's not a it's not a delay, Joel. It's a tactical withdrawal. No. They've just they've gone. No, we're going to position Battlefield at the end of 2018 instead, and we don't want to cannibalize those potential sales with Anthem being released as well. So we're gonna we're, we're gonna tactically withdraw Anthem into 2019. From what I read, the was it fall 2018 date um, was never true. So from a development point of view, it was never realistic that they would ever achieve that date. <laughs> so I suppose nah. to say it's not a delay is correct. <laughs> if if your if your basis is that that was always a lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think when we talked about it, none of us. I remember when we saw we talked about that after E3. Not one of us thought that game was coming out the following year in 2018. No. Not <laughs> single one of us. I don't think anybody, anywhere in video games, really believed that was coming out this in this year. Um, it's just it's just not possible. I guess so. Yeah. Connected Battlefield. We've got an unnamed, unannounced Battlefield game. That's not really a surprise. Mm -hmm. It goes Battlefield, Battlefront, Battlefield, Battlefront, doesn't it? At the moment, yeah. so a new mm -hmm. Battlefield game isn't anything. The rumor is that it's a bad company game um so I, I don't know if anybody cares or remembers bad company particularly fondly but i'm not that bothered i have I to was say a big big fan of bad company too i played the multiplayer on that a lot uh i, I really enjoyed that i, I much mean, prefer it to yeah. battlefield 3 and 4 so oh okay i really like battlefield 4 when it when it worked mm. um so and then we had we had another announcement was that red dead redemption 2 is coming out october 26th no it isn't no it's not, <laughs> no, it's not guys. <clears throat> You put a release date down in October, November. It means it will be spring of the following year. So what that actually should have said was uh, that Rockstar will announce the delay of Red Dead Redemption 2 on October the 26th this year. That's that's what that really meant. Mm. Yeah. I mean, these long, these long tail announcements, I, I'm starting again. These feel very much like a relic of the previous generation. I think it's time that developers stopped and publishers stopped fucking doing this. I mean, like, let's... Do the Bethesda route, you know, announce a game at EA, or at least, you know, confirm a rumor of a game at EA, and then the release date's three months later or four months later, not, not fucking two years later. It's so stupid. I understand why it happens with Rockstar, because all Take-Two have to show their fucking investors is the release date 
before the next GTA or Red Dead. And that's literally how they stay in business. So I understand why it exists for them, but it's really unnecessary for an Anthem or or so many of these other games to get announced so far in advance. Only it's it doesn't put pressure on the developer. Yeah, it's quite irresponsible as well from a consumer point of view. When you walk into game and you see uh, £5 for a Red Dead Redemption 2 deposit if you want to re- pre-order it now, mm. it's two years away at the point that they were taking pre-orders for that, <laughs> taking actual money. That's game, though, isn't it? They're just, they're just literally, there is, you know, there's no guarantee that game will be around in three year, uh, three oh. weeks, let alone for two years. <laughs> Don't be a fool and give them any money up front. God. At this point, it's just like giving money to charity. So you know, just, <laughs> just, just think of it like a, a service. Like you know, oh, game, oh, good old game. Here's a fiver. Have a good one, lads. Um, but no, I, I, I do think, yeah, Red Dead's the following year, isn't it? It's pr- mm. probably going to end up going head to head with Anthem, actually. Um, which, which is a fight Anthem will lose. Um, I, I almost almost wonder as well about Anthem. This is a game in the in the Destiny 2 vein of, of social shooter. And considering where that player base is already going and how sour and bitter and unhappy they are with everything that Activision is doing, I think maybe we're getting delays on this because EA are pivoting real hard. And Casey Hudson is probably course correcting hard on where that game was going because the tide is already turning uh, against these sort of shared world shooters. Um, Destiny is just, God, it's just fucking going down in flames right now yeah um so i i think yeah maybe you know so casey casey came up with the anthem idea it was his project after mass effect 3 he then left bioware he went to microsoft and he's come back to bioware and i I can just imagine him going into the room where they showed him where anthem was at and he's just got his head in his hands and he's just like what have you done to my baby uh, and it's just like he's probably just desperately trying to pull it out of this fucking death spiral of microtransactions and fucking awful shit like that so yeah i could maybe that's why we're seeing a delay you know maybe that maybe they're trying to hor- fix a horrible mess of a game you know so it wouldn't be a surprise after mass effect andromeda would it after what happened there so the back what do you guys think battlefront 2 um mm-hmm. yeah, there, i think there are certain things that have happened in the past year that will give them a lot of cause to perhaps go back and rethink some of the original plans around it i, I you know you, you'd hope microtransactions back into battlefront have they on just tangentially they've kind of said they're going to that this came out of the financials as well that if they're going back in they haven't said what that will be or but i can only imagine it will be cosmetic only uh Mm. at this point i mean they'd be absolutely insane so yeah that was that sold a million under projection uh, I think they did seven instead of eight or something like that. Uh, so that was a, a flop, a failure for them. Um, though they do put ridiculously high numbers on these projections now. I think they're, they're just dreaming half the time. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's... Ah, we will see, won't we? I want mm-hmm. Anthem to be great. Man, that demo at E3 looked fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I almost don't want to play a Destiny 2-style t- shooter now. I've Considering how much I love Destiny and how burnt out and fed up i got of destiny 2 and how quickly i got over that game i really don't want that as the experience from anthem so we shall see won't we uh we'll see more at e3 almost certainly uh so off of that we we you know talking about we had a nice announcement did you guys see the season pass announcement for far cry 5 i, I did I'm, I'm i'm really excited <laughs> i've never <laughs> been brilliant i've not looked forward to a season pass as much as this in years like finally you know- they get the right idea. Like, do you know what it reminded me of? 
um, Blood Dragon. <laughs> no, Red Dead Red, Red, uh, Red Dead Redemption yes. on Dead Nightmare. Dead Nightmare. It was just the bonkers other thing that you needed to want to go back Absolutely. to that game. You wanted, yeah. you know, same great gameplay just in a bonkers alternate reality. Yeah. And it's like, I, yes, I, give me more of that. I love the idea that instead hmm. of let's try and force more fucking story on top of this 60 hours you've already put into this game that you're probably you're probably done with you're probably done with it at this point let's just use the engine let's give the teams a break let's let them make something fun and silly using the tech we've now built for this game and it's brilliant so we're going to get zombies with various b-movie kind of settings we're going to get martians and we're going to get fucking vietnam i mean like what so this this, this sounds incredible i i, I ha literally haven't looked forward to a piece of DLC as much as this season pass in a very, very long time. Um, I'm still a bit on the fence as to what this game is actually going to be because there's a lot of rumours that it was heavily sanded down around the very political edges um, due to, um, you know, how should we say, like, you know, the, the CEO types and the, the boardroom guys playing it and going, no, <laughs> we are not going this far in that direction. So has it been homogenized into sort of a bland mess? I really hope not, because some of the ideas around Far Cry 5 have been really cool. Um, but, you know, we will see. That's not that's that's April, March, April. Uh, like yes, uh, I think it's March. I can just look that up in the background. Just if you can I'm letting re I'm letting Richard. I'm not throwing to Richard right now because he's currently enjoying the fruits of his wife's oh, baking. I saw that he, he got, he's yeah. got a massive cake and he's yeah. not even offered us not uh, even any. a crumb. Yeah. Not even the scraps from his overabundant table, you gluttonous bastard. Yeah, that's right, Richard. You can hear me. I know you can't reply, but you're enjoying your cakes. Sorry, I was on mute stuff in my face. Hey. I, I, I spilt some of the delicious topping and mm -hmm. I had to wipe it up. So it's very nice. What is it? What is it? What what kind of cake are you dealing with here? Um, Props to your wife. Look at that's massive. Thing with um. I don't know. It's like Sarah. What's this topping? It's vanilla frosting. Vanilla frosting. There you go. There you go. Sounds all right, yeah. man. Get your laughing gear around that. That is that is what you should be doing at Elevens' time on a Sunday, which is where we're at right now. That makes uh -huh. a lot of sense. Yes, yeah, so it's a little window into Richard's culinary life. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so, do we get a confirmation on the date, Joel? Yeah, I said March the twenty seventh. So. Sorry, I was too busy watching cake. Uh, I'm wishing I had one. Uh, yeah, so I'm. I hope it still has the teeth. It seemed to imply it was gonna. Mm. I really, really do. Um, but I'm. I'd be surprised it, if it does. It kind of has to, doesn't it? Because it's not going to appeal to anybody if it's that um, sort of sanded Sanity. down, as you say. Yeah. Sanitized. Yeah. Like that. that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So that's kind of all the news. Am I forgetting anything? I'm sure I'm, I am. I mean, we've all we've all just started trying out. Uh, another games with service um games as a service i should say um platform which is you utomic utomic how you pronounce it uh, uh, utomic utomic i think yeah is yeah which is basically game pass on pc um so you know it's a platform that you install and then you can download locally not streaming uh, a selection of pc games from like you know big hefty saw triple a all the way down to lots of indie ones and, and cool little titles i i've got as far as installing the client has anybody got any further i've been playing a couple of games we were just having a brief chat beforehand i mean that yeah I've, i went through the library i had a look through the library i found some games that i've already played so i put some ratings in for those um i then browsed the forums a bit just sort of trying to find any tips maybe for a game where to start um 
uh, as I said to you before, it's kind of uh, what I was hoping is that if I went through and put some ratings in, that I'd possibly get like a curated list, like a Spotify-style daily playlist of like, well, you've, if you like these games, then perhaps try this one you may never have heard of, or people who like the same games as you have also liked this. Um, but I didn't get that, um, at least. But it's still the the client's just in beta, so I don't know if that's a feature that's coming or not. Hopefully, I'll I'll, I'll have a dialogue with the um, people who are working on it soon to find out a bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I've played. I played a game called Hue. Um, I, I picked that one out. That looked quite interesting. Ben, I know you've played that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm it's very enjoyable. Very well presented little indie game. Um, mm -hmm. It's quite quite a decent little platforming puzzler thing. Um, I also installed Metro Last Light. I've never played the game, but I just wanted to see how good the service was at um, getting me download. You know how long it would take to download a game. It was pretty fast. It, it, it hit near the peak speed of my broadband, so that was good. Um, I played a, a kind of mobile phone port game called uh, I think it's just called Just Another Line or something. Uh, let me just it's have a long a quick... title. Just another line or something. No, it's just uh, one more line. Sorry, which is kind of a. It reminded me of Super Hexagon a bit, except right, you're yeah. flying along and you've got to um, laugh, uh, lasso yourself onto um, sort of little um, okay, anchor points, basically, and you orbit them until you let go. So you've got to sort of navigate your way through a procedurally generated. Um, path of anchors and you, you you can't hit the side or or hit an, hit an anchor otherwise you lose so um okay yeah that was pretty so fun i think we're, we're, we're going to be trying this out all three of us on variously mm. <laughs> from richard's old surface pro through my mid-tier was good three years ago gaming laptop to joel's modern pc gaming rig so i think we'll we'll probably talk about that a little bit more i uh, probably no, a fair bit more uh, on the next podcast where we've all had a chance to actually try it out because uh, i feel like at this point I don't think I've really heard anybody talk about this. Uh, oh. And I think as an idea, it's a pretty cool one. So um, the client itself looks quite nice. It's um, clean design, easy to find stuff. Um, and it's obvious they've got plans for the future for it as well. There's, um, it looks like they're going to be building achievements into it, which I know is in stuff like Steam um, and stuff. Steam yeah. And, you know, obviously on consoles, that's a common thing. But there'll be achievements in there. It lets you set up a gamer tag, so I presume there'll be some sort of friends lists um, curation there, but uh, that isn't there yet. So yeah, it's very early days. It looks like, but I was, I was, I went into the real time strategy games, and I was quite happy. I'm a big. That's like what I like to play on PC, and I was like, man, there's some old, obscure, weird shit here uh, that I could have fun digging through. So uh, yeah, I think it's. We'll talk about that more next time. But uh, for now, we shall leave it as we move on to the games we have reviewed recently on the website. Uh, I've done a bunch, so I should probably tick a few off before we, we get into the big, meaty titles, I think. Uh, I know Joel's got one to discuss as well. So I'll just mention that uh, two games here that have been out on other platforms for quite a while, which is The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, first of all. That is... Do you guys know it? You know this game? I imagine I've, you I've played it. it. I've played it on the PC. So I haven't yeah. played it, but it sounds like it's going to be my thing. Well, I was I was kind of torn a bit on this one. Um, I love a good walking sim, you know, that's narratively driven, uh, quite a linear experience. Now, the thing with Vanishing of Ethan Carter is that it presents itself like a very high resolution. It looks wonderful on the X, by the way, um, walking simulator. But it's kind of more of actually an adventure game. Um, that encourages you to really 
sort of delve into every nook and cranny of every environment you go in and just poke everything. That's the way I describe it in the review. Like there are these prompts in the game that come up with like text when you get quite close to them and just poke at everything all the time. That mm. seems to be the way of Ethicon. And I'd rather it had been a bit more of a funneled linear experience because I actually really enjoyed the story and the narrative of it. And I like the characters um, and I like the sort of twist ending uh, and stuff like that. I just, I just found that it was perhaps artificially extended, that it didn't need to be uh, the sort of the quite lengthy experience that it was where it could have been just more um, narratively focused. Uh, I mean, look, if you're going to poke around an environment, it's good that it is an absolutely stunning one. I mean, gorgeous on the X, runs beautiful. The resolution, it just looks amazing, this game. However, it's quite an empty environment. Um, so just, just going into every, literally every corner of, every, like, you know, getting to the boundaries of the maps because you just don't know where the next clue, the next trigger has been hidden. Um, yeah. And I found that a little bit tedious. I mean, what did you yeah. think of it, Joel? Um, I so I was about oh God. It was well over a year ago since I played this. It's been on the PC a long time. Yes, um, yes. I can remember. Yes, you as you go. It's yeah. It's not a funneled experience, so you can get to the end of it and and miss some of the the. So you you hit the trigger points, and each of those trigger points starts the little um kind of a little bit of narrative or dialogue about a specific event and stuff. Some of them are very creative. I can remember one early on. A, about um chasing an astronaut that ends up with you kind of yep. stranded in the space pod and stuff but Super you can make you can miss them can't you yes. um which is the sad thing about the game uh and it's also at times i, I remember one as well it being in a house and you have to walk through portals in a specific order that was really oh, quite a bit of a pain, yeah, in, I did that. pain in the butt yeah. that was pretty that was one of the low points of the title um as well as some culty stuff in a mine i can remember some weird cult bit uh yeah it, it was okay it was over it was yeah it's not as good as what remains of Edith Finch, I didn't think. Um, it's, what's I mean, the balance then in this? Is there, how much is walkie-walkie and how much is touchy-touchy? Is there much it's, interaction in this? It's a lot of walkie-walkie until you find a touchy-touchy. Yeah, yeah. um, but <clears> because <throat> it's not funneled, you're walkie-walkieing over a lot of areas you've already walkie-walkied before. I'm just going to keep calling it walkie-walkie. It's a walkie-walkie simulator from now on. Mm, I think I that's, that's that. new, the new BXB term. Um, it sounds to me like it's going to be similar to everyone's gone to the rapture yes the yes actually that's yeah yeah the, in the everyone's gone to the rapture it's pretty easy to uh, miss things but the one good thing about everyone's gone to the rapture is that they had that um glowing light that you could follow that kind of yeah would, you could follow it through the world just to pick up all the main story points basically yeah. and everything else was peripheral yeah um, it still felt just, like you were missing a lot doing that but at least yeah. it gave you that main line through yeah yeah that, problem, that's problem. what this is missing yeah yeah the, the <laughs> different here with carter is that it's um there's elements that you know you will hit a progress block if you don't find the next trigger so you know that's the thing and that's because there's no direction to the next trigger you can do a lot of just retreading and stuff, and that can be that can be quite frustrating. Yeah, so it's a cool. The, the story is really good. It's like a murder mystery with supernatural elements, um, and that that's really really fun to experience. So I think it's worth doing. And if you get a chance, Richard, it, it'll almost certainly be on sale. Like I say, it looks stunning on the X. Like really pretty, great showcase. I took screenshots. You know, when you're when you're just taking screenshots of like the landscape you're looking out over, you know the game's pretty mm. when you're doing that. Um, so yeah, that was that was one. Then the other game I reviewed, possibly even older. Uh, it's been out for about three years on other platforms. It's Axiom Verge on the Switch. Now, have you guys played Axiom Verge? I haven't. No, I kind of want to. It keeps... Yeah, I thought Richard, you would have. It looks yeah. like one of your one of your games, man. Totally. 
it keeps popping up in sales for like eight, ten pounds. I'm like, uh, maybe a bit too much. Maybe I yes, haven't got I've, time I've, to play it just yet, but I, I do want to play that. I was always tempted by it as well. So when when I got the opportunity to give it out, give it a go on the Switch because of this multiverse edition, this weirdly this edition that's just been released on the Switch uh, is the physical release of the game, uh, which comes with like soundtracks and maps and posters and all this shit. That's not what I got. I just got a digital code. So I'm not even sure why. You know that the, the actual Switch version came out in October <laughs> digitally. So it's just like, hey, whatever. It's an excuse to get a code. I, I don't care. I want to play it. Um, so I, I boot it up and, uh, yeah, this game is just a very, very, very well-constructed Metroidvania and I don't normally enjoy them that much because I find the navigation isn't always fun. I'm not always a big fan of gating behind, you know, the weapon pickups and all that sort of stuff. I find mm -hmm. like sometimes Metroidvanias can obfuscate, um, progress just for the sake of it. But I yeah. think the balance is struck really well with Axiom Verge. Like it's, it's taking on modern sensibilities and ideas and then sort of retrofitting them into this very well-constructed sort of um slightly sort of throwback metroidvania kind of look but it feels modern at the same time so mm -hmm. it's got great jumping great shooting great art design fun story um really good music astoundingly good music and it's it it wins because it's on the switch man and i can fucking take that anywhere uh -huh. so it's just like that will always give me a plus you know every single yeah. time that i can sit on my couch on the bus at work on my lunch break playing that game so you know that's that's always beneficial to me yeah, i absolutely love while that. they've got no metroid game on the switch yet mm. so yeah i i'd say uh definitely worth checking out i'm not going to go into detail like i said the game's been out for three years so if you know probably most of you are aware of what it is or at least or have seen it in a sale if you haven't already picked it up um, so I definitely reckon the Switch version is just as good, runs really nice, um, looks great, sharp as anything, you know, looks fantastic on the Switch. So, yep, definitely worth checking out on there as well. Okay, I need a little break. So before I do any more of my games that I've reviewed, Joel, talk to us about a little fighting game you've been playing recently from a license that you have a very, very, very long-standing love affair with. Mm, yeah, no, I used to, I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan. I watched it throughout my childhood several times and i watched it several times at uni as well um yeah dragon uh, ball z it's called yeah i'm oh i'll go with z it doesn't really matter <laughs> anyway uh, <clears throat> yeah so dragon ball fighter z um kind of a I, I this is how i start my review basically it's a bit of a i'm a big dragon ball z fan but i'm not a massive fighting game fan um which is normally a bit unfair on a game when you're about to review it um but <clears throat> anyway uh i i go into it because you know if you think about it dragon ball z fighting game they kind of should marry up quite nicely and stuff and so what we've got well first of all let's just talk about the the visuals of this game it looks stellar it's it's a, a, amazing what they've done it it's the it just looks like the anime at certain points in time they've done some very clever trickery with the way that the screen's rendered so backgrounds and everything are you know hitting the full 60 kind of frames a second so they all sort of um scroll smoothly and that sort of thing but the characters have done down the, the the rendering i don't know exactly what to something like 10 or 15 frames a second so it really captures that sort of jerky stuttery uh cartoon feel of animation so it yeah it looks amazing and that coupled with the way that the cell sh it's done cell shading so they're all still 3d models it's all 2.5d per se so 3d rendered just in a uh, but you can only play it in a two-dimensional perspective um but yeah the way you've got the cell shading that goes around that as well is really really well done so yeah staggeringly looks looks brilliant the 
audio is fantastic as well it's all cut from the uh, uh all follows the uh, sort of original japanese style and stuff so the game's all subtitled all the dialogues in japanese so the characters go for all the sounds are in japanese um so yeah presentation wise this is this is like a brilliant um the only it's as good as when i when you think of how the south park stick of truth looked like being in an episode of south park it's it's like that it's just perfect in that sense um but yeah just just through to the fighting game so it took a while to get so naturally i start the game i go straight into the story mode and things and it felt like i've been you know going through bits of this game for about 30 minutes before it really actually wanted me to have a fight with it uh, which is a bit annoying um I, I cited in my review that the the sort of setup of the game the menu structure and all that kind of thing just really feels inhibiting what i really want is just the game to boot to a main menu and just sort of like single player multiplayer you know arcade versus get to a fight pick your character and go but they've they've really um sort of Put all these layers of an onion over the top of it that make it quite difficult to get down to the crux of what you need so after a while of digging through uh yes the game has got an arcade mode that's the was what i found most enjoyable which is literally um you know your classic kind of uh you've got a sort of tree of different combat arcs and characters and, and bunches that you're going to fight and you just sort of progress you pick your team and you just progress through them one by one uh and yeah it's a multiplayer mode where you can just go online and get your ass absolutely handed to you by someone who's already mastered all the controls uh but you know it's a, there are some interesting things in the multiplayer mode because you can obviously go back and watch the replay of a match and and you can see all the control inputs from both players so you can sit and see how certain combos are achieved and things um the controls are actually good and simple um not quite as simple as something like smash brothers but nowhere near as complex as um sort of games like mortal kombat <clears throat> um every all 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 ultimate moves and things are, are literally sort of like uh you know down right um or down towards and then a button or down back and a button basically and that's there's nothing more complicated than that stitching the moves together to make combos is kind of where they they i think they're trying to appeal to the to the more hardcore kind of fighting player um so yeah it's quite easy it's quite nice to play through an arcade and you can simply just keep hitting the x buttons and stuff and that builds up some nice pretty combos and you know you can throw in your ultimates you can swap characters pretty so you can swap characters mid-fight and they can be part of the combo as well so you can get them to come and help you the combo or switch out to another one and get them to throw in an ultimate and stuff um so yeah it's good fun i i quite you know it was as a fighting games goes it was yeah it was okay and stuff but like i say it's buried the the story mode was really just like so much dialogue such long cut scenes it was boring i really just wanted to get into the crux of just fighting 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 um so i just i just don't see why the the point of the story mode really it feels sort of so 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 as as a <clears> fan of dragon ball the story didn't do anything for you no the narrative didn't um particularly excite me either because it's obviously they just set it up as a, a kind of typical alternate reality something's gone wrong um you know yeah you can basically possess other characters and you've got to go around and steadily rescue everyone one by one it's just kind of you know standard standard fare really it's not that exciting the fact that it's wrapped up in dragon ball um I, I think they tried to go for something where they make it feel a bit like an episode of dragon ball per se because you've got long sequences of like um you know uh, bulma and goku talking and things like this but it just didn't at the end of the day it's kind of like no the, the real meat of this game is in the fighting and and uh you know that's what i kind of want to get to um so yeah i it just didn't really do much for me to be honest um 
it's a kind of similar, I guess, in the sense to uh, the Xenoverse games, where there is there is sort of a narrative there and things, but it's purely to facilitate um, edging you steadily through characters and, and and learning new moves and that kind of thing, um, which is fine. Uh, it keeps you going. It keeps a bit of variety, but yeah, the the story itself is you know it's not that exciting. Um, certainly not as good as the the story I've uh, in, in Dragon Ball Z, which is uh, fantastic. But anyway, yeah, it just ultimately um it kind of just felt what it really lacked to me was the kind of theater and drama of dragon ball it's very fast and frantic whereas dragon ball is has some smaller frantic moments but in general it's slower paced it's it's a lot of dialogue it's lots of teasing each other lots of powering up and and sort of huge dramatic scenes and things like that it didn't really manage to capture that aspect of fighting in dragon ball that's what i thought i preferred xenoverse xenoverse is um felt a bit more free you know you could get up and fly and try and run away and 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 sort of then pull in other characters in to help you and that kind of stuff whereas this is um it's just a fighting game uh, in a dragon ball skin it's sort of you get down there and you just battle quickly to the death so it kind of missed the mark on that aspect of it for me so as a fighting game i thought i think there's probably a lot of appeal to fans of fighting games it is a good fighting game um as a dragon ball z game though it just didn't really do it for me so okay no, that's fair enough. Mm. That's, uh, it's it's accessible though, isn't it? Because they they yeah. uh, the fighters all set share the same kind of move sets, don't they? So yeah, sorry, correct. Very good point. Uh, yes, it's like Smash Brothers. The move sets are all the same. Everyone's ultimate move is triggered the same way. Um, your sort of general like energy attacks all work the same way. Now, obviously, what the character actually does is varied or unique to them, but. <clears throat> Control input wise, it's it's nice. You can just jump between the different characters very easy. It's not like Mortal Kombat or or Street Fighter where you'll master one character or maybe two. Uh, yeah, you can you can play with anybody and have a good, generally a good laugh. So, you think that's bash. because Dragon Ball Z is just for very young children? Uh, <laughs> it beat me to it. <laughs> I think it appeals to <laughs> like many things back when they were first released, where they were designed to appeal for young children, but. You carry that through to your adulthood now. Ba baby's uh, first fighting game. <laughs> yeah, baby. Ba ba I want to play. I would You get your son doing. It. Get your get your get your son on it. He might enjoy it more than you, Joel, because it might be he might be better than you. Sounds like to be honest, mate. He's just about learnt to. He, I've I've just got him to move the character around and interact in Stardew Valley. That's the that's the oh, amazing his gaming oh, career at the moment. That's, that's fucking adorable. Cool. So cool. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're not alone in this sentiment. I've definitely heard similar from everybody. I mean, it's a shame. I, I, it's a weird criticism, isn't it? Like, but I can kind of see where you're coming from. The fact that it's too much just frantic action when it comes to the fighting and not enough the quiet moments, because that's what makes a good TV show of anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. if you just watch a TV show, literally of just people like, hitting each other all the time i don't know something like the say the saban stuff like powering just comes to mind that's why i've never been able to get into it because it's just so much just boring fighting you don't give a shit because you don't understand any of the sort of the, the consequences or the reason for any of it so yeah i guess that i guess i can kind of see where you're coming from yeah i, li I like the fact that yeah it's not it's a, a good enough fighting game and not a good dragon ball z game i think that's a good way of putting it that's why i sent it to you i knew you'd you'd have the knowledge <clears throat> Joel. so that's, that's fair enough um, I'm going to take off another couple of uh, smaller games. Uh, I'm also kind of trying to struggle to remember it because it was actually reviewing it around the game of the year time when I played this, but I haven't talked about it on the podcast, uh, I don't think, because it was all game of the year stuff, which is Flying Tigers Shadows Over China, which is a rare kind of flying combat sim type game that has appeared on the, uh, 
I think it's on Xbox and PS4, and I think it's been out on PC for a little while now. Um, but basically, it's World War II, and it's a theater of war I wasn't particularly familiar with. It was a group of U.S. and sort of an international U.S., U.K. kind of Air Force pilots that actually um, resigned their commissions so they could unofficially go over to China to support the Chinese Air Force and the Chinese ground troops in their war against Japan in World War II. And it's not and like over Burma and places like that. And uh, it's really not an area or a history of that you know, conflict I had any any knowledge of. So the fact that the missions and the campaign is very story driven and based in reality with lots of text uh, before missions explaining the sort of historical significance of what you're doing, I thought was really cool. And I, was, I enjoyed it because I was learning something. And then the flying game, you can play either very sim heavy or quite arcadey. You can switch it to uh, however you want, really. You can make it as difficult or as easy as you like and uh have a good time shooting down horrible nazis which is uh, always pleasant or not in this case nazis sorry horrible japanese people i should say uh they were friends with the nazis so in my mind they're just as bad uh so you know that that was that was cool that was a cool little flying game uh i thought considering it's like a budget title you know a low price title i thought the environments looked plenty plenty nice the uh planes were modeled nicely the flying physics felt good um there's beyond just the story mode there are just you know go up and dogfight there's like a free roam mode and then there's a multiplayer suite as well so there's plenty of features in this game um i have no idea how many people are playing it and if the multiplayer will be worth it but if you're at all interested in a theater of war during world war ii you might not know about uh and you're kind of interested in playing one of those dogfighting games that you might not have played in a while uh i'd say you know there are much worse options than uh, flying tigers to check out on xbox uh, which is where i reviewed it so yeah, any any questions about that? Because it was what feels like a year ago since I reviewed it. So, um, nope. Just looking at a video, looks looks quite nice. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Looks, looks perfectly pleasant, doesn't it? I enjoy it. I, I like learning stuff. I like learning about. I've always been interested in World War Two because you know I was you know what what young man growing up in Britain isn't taught all about World War Two at some point in school and therefore finds <clears> tanks <throat> and planes and ships and all that stuff interesting. Um, so I definitely was uh, curious about that theater, especially as true story. My grandfather actually served on uh, some form of military vessels around Burma at that point in time. So I had a bit of a personal connection to it. So that was that helped me be even more interested. So that was cool. Um, so I played that and I also played another kind of sim, a very different kind of sim. Uh, I played Railway Empire on the Xbox. And oh. this is get your trains out, lads. That sounds Let's... dull, then. I mean, what you have to do is you have to win franchises from the UK government and then rip off your consumers um, by running poor services whilst your staff all strike. When you say win, you just mean get handed them with absolutely no governance. Yes, yes. Well, you have to bribe the government. You have to bribe the officials up front. That's how it starts. Well, let me tell you guys, it's full of corruption, but in a very different era. So we're talking early railway Mm. expansion across the United States. Again, a period of history, uh, you know, I didn't know much about beyond the fact that I know they basically used awful types of very low income slash slave labor to construct a lot of the railway network across the United States. Other than that, can't say I knew a lot. And surprise, surprise, game doesn't touch on that that much. Um, But to be fair, I actually found the the historical aspects of the campaign once again quite engaging and interesting interesting finding out about the sort of time periods in which different expansions of the network happened across the u.s and how important the railway empire being constructed across the u.s was to the growth of cities and the you know the burgeoning economy of what became a very powerful nation and how that kind of it was the foundation the backbone of a lot of that development 
Um, and I actually, that was really cool to find out. And beyond that, Joel, I'm talking to you more than Richard because I know you're a bit of a simp head like me. Um, you've got the the micro minutiae of supply and demand between your different cities. You've got the timing aspect of getting different trains on the same tracks. You've got railway settings that, you know, you're building tracks, you're putting crossings in, you're using signals, you're building different types of station, you're building warehouses, you're upgrading your trains, you've got a big old research tree. There is a shit ton in this game. And the only real problem I had with it, it looks really nice, by the way, I have to say, it looks lovely. I think it's even X enhanced. But uh, the big, biggest problem is, like any of these games, when you're playing it on a console, you're just thinking to yourself the whole time, this would be better with a mouse and keyboard. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't deny it would be better with a mouse and keyboard. Um, and, you know, that's the only problem, really, to have that, that, you know, really with that game on Xbox. If, however, that's your only option, to play it on a console, I would say if you're in the mood for historically set railway simulator, well, there's not a lot of competition, is there? So you might as well give it a punt on the Xbox. <laughs> um, it's not for everyone. And I was never into trains as a kid. I've never been that guy. But as a, somebody who enjoys deep management simulators, yeah, tick the boxes for me on that front, definitely. Yeah, it's very, it was good. It was good fun. Yeah, check out Railway Empire. Surprisingly good, I have to say. It was, it was solid. Really, really good. Okay. Richard, you've been quiet for most of this, and I'm going to let you take the lead on the big, 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 big game from the last couple of weeks. Oh. Oh, Monster, Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter World. Monster yes. Hunter World. I might be reviewing it, but you've, all, you've, you've been playing it as well, and I know we've been yeah. playing together a few times, so I think, I think I'll let you talk for a bit on that one. Okay. you've been quiet. Monster Hunter then, eh? Let's... Yeah. Um explain what it is i guess because it's not sure. exactly uh, a familiar franchise for us in the west big old japanese franchise this very big in japan and it's sort of a free roam multiplayer online game although it can be played in single player quite successfully where you hunt monsters hence the title and you salvage parts from those monsters to build armor weapons equipment so you can hunt bigger monsters and do the same all over again. There's, there's the basic yeah. gameplay loop. That's it. That's, that's the game. That's essentially it. Yep. But, um, it really packages it up with um, loads and loads of different stuff to do. So you can go fishing. You can have a net to go and find smaller like uh, life forms in the different environments you can, that you, you can spend twenty minutes trying to work out how to use a menu. Yeah, you can do. Yeah, well. It's all extended gameplay time, <laughs> isn't it? Value. Yeah, yeah. Value, baby. That's what that's all you want from games now. That's what a lot of people are obsessed with, isn't it? You put sixty sixty dollars down, you want at least a hundred hours in a game, even if fifty of them are in a menu. That still counts. <laughs> still counts. So well what what do you want? It's a Japanese game. They do difficult menus. That is the that's the idea, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, Monster Hunter's good, man. It's um it's the first one I've properly got into. I've I've played one briefly on the PSP years ago, and the tutorials and those were so impenetrable. I think it was like sorry that, that one that one had tutorials. Oh well, that was that was different at least compared to the new one. No, trust me, having no tutorials is way better because the tutorials on the old Monster Hunter games ran into several hours before you oh, could properly function as a monster hunter so it'd be walls and walls of text about what each weapon did how you use each item in the menu as if the menus don't, don't take long enough to use anyway 
Um, so it really took a long time to get over that hump and into the proper game. This has a much better onboarding uh, process. It lets you start almost immediately. Uh, so you're starting out one on small monsters. The combat is really quite simple. It's mm. just a couple of different buttons. And there's lots of different weapons to choose from, but it tells you which ones are the easiest to start with mm. by a star system. So the more the more stars, the easier it is for you to start with as a beginner. And just start hitting stuff and see what drops you've, off. You know, you've, you've forgotten the most important thing, Richard. Your cat? How, yeah, your fucking cat, man. Your palico. How could you forget your palico? Like, that is literally the only thing that matters in this game. Get to the cat. Yeah, so as long as, um, you know, you're out there hitting monsters, that much is cool. You get stuff off them. Brilliant. But with you all the way is your little cat. It's not called a cat. It's called a palico for some reason. I'll carry on calling it a cat. Yeah. Because it is one. Yes. And It rides a boat when it's in the water, Richard. It rides a little boat. It's so adorable. It's got a little oar, I think, that just uh, knocks about in the water on. It's so cute. Okay. Um, so he follows you about and he's got an assignable ability so it starts off he can heal you so if you start getting into trouble with a monster he'll chuck a big healing bug your way and um that'll explode all over you and drench you in healing uh, juice. life-giving properties mm, love the healing juice oh yeah. yeah delicious and um he levels up he can get better at doing that. He can be assigned different abilities, like setting traps for monsters, which you and I discovered mm. on our last expedition. We did. Um, there's plate, uh, plate plastering <laughs> in the background. It's one of those traps. You should really get your palico under control, Richard. Uh -huh. He's just My a flipping rebel. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, your cat's pretty cool. You can use him to do all sorts of stuff. Aside, aside from your own cat, there's other cats that you'll encounter in the world as well. And they might just be on their own and they'll high-five your cat and team up and help cool. each other out. Or there are more organized groups of cats. Ooh. And if you start enlisting them or become part of their group, they're kind of like the, um, what are they called in Dark Souls? Guilds or something? You could sign up to different guilds. You're asking the wrong person. No idea. You know, Joel? Anyway, there's different no. groups that you can sign up to. And if you, if you find them in the world, these cats, they run off. You've got to chase them and swing over ravines and climb up trees. And if you eventually track them back to where they live, they're like, well, well done, mate. You can be in our gang now. And um, Sweet. They'll, they'll help you out next time they see you. So you'll see cats lined up along uh, cliff ridges or in the, in trees with bugles going doo -doo, doo -doo. that's when fucking amazing you, i had no idea about this it's amazing and so they'll, they'll shout down and say mate if you catch a monster around here rather than kill it do it by us and we'll help you catch it and then they'll, they'll all come down and sort of gulliver's travel style tie it down their own little ewok army yeah it's amazing <laughs> so well, i think i think I think that takes us like you've described the mechanics a little bit. I think that takes us to the overriding awesomeness of Monster Hunter, which is it seems incredible Japanese-ness. It's yeah, it's yeah. otherness. It doesn't really feel like any other game. Um, the way in which not like you what you described that that AI element interacts with the monster AI element, which interacts with you, and then you've got the way the other monsters interact with each other. Like there's oh, a whole food chain. Yeah, there's this yeah, whole crazy, yeah, exactly, man. a food chain, this ecosystem where the monsters literally feed off each other. So you might be hunting one 
wants to there's there's one early on the jagos who um have a like a great jago version and once you go hunting that you'll see quite early on that he can eat um lots of other animals around that environment and become like three times his normal size just by ingesting another beast and it changes his strategy yep. And, we were uh, playing the other night, weren't we? We, we were we were hunting uh, a pookie pookie, yeah. and uh, then we got attacked by a, a second monster, Jago, and then and then another one came in, and it was like a three way yeah, fucking three -way melee battle, yeah. while we were trying to hunt this other one, and it was just crazy. And it was like that's that's kind of the brilliance of it when the the systems all start to interact with each other, you know, in front of you. Because yeah, at its core, you are the imperialist scumbag humans that have gone to some nice secluded island yeah. with this lovely ecosystem and you've decided to murder everyone on it mm -hmm. just to make new clothes <laughs> and i mean that's pretty fucked up tonally monster hunter is a very strange game because it feels like you're not really the good guys here uh and it, and it yeah there's a bit of a story but it's a bit shit and i don't really kind of care about any of it uh, just but the core loop of hunting to upgrade outfits so you can hunt bigger things. That that is fun, even if yeah, it's a bit uncomfortable. It is fun. At times. I mean, yeah, there's there's not much progressive animal welfare politics going on here. You're right. But well, it has come from the 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 you know the nation that still hunts whales. So I yes. think you know when you consider that, it it probably makes more sense that they they don't have the most progressive animal rights sort of yeah. ideals. But it, it is um, interesting that they're not there just to be hunted. They do live there and yeah. they interact with each other. They're not, so it, the thing that's weird for me is they're not bad. They're not really trying to fuck you up. Yeah. They're not really doing anything that needs punishing. You are just going out with your big 12-bore shotgun to murder yeah. the white elephant. They're often that's not even really aggressive all you're doing. until you have a nope. crack at them. They'll just nope. potter about minding their own business. But yeah, the the whole ecosystem thing makes it for me because it it is a game all about hunting a big monster, going back to your base, and then doing it all over again dozens of times. I bet so Trump could, supporters love it. Sorry, yeah, probably. But it could get quite old quite quickly. But the the way that those interactions work and that any situation could change dramatically on a dime, it's it's always interesting. There's always different ways that a, a, a mission can go. Yes, so I'm really enjoying um, it so far. Problem. I think considering this game is so um, about so much about multiplayer, it's not exactly the easiest multiplayer experience to set up, is it, Richard? No. Well, it has been <laughs> functionally um, broken Impaired. on yeah. Xbox. It hasn't worked at all for periods of time. And so I think it's working at the moment, and I believe it's the Xbox version that's affected the most from what I've heard. But, but even then, even be... then, just finding how to get someone into a party with you through the menus oh, isn't exactly kind of it doesn't really make sense does it no. it's not it should literally be like one two button presses at the most and you're together but no, it, it doesn't it's, work it's inviting like someone into the game um they, they might be in the game but you can't physically see them in your world until you sign up to the same mission as them on the in-game notice board so yeah. you've kind of got to join a game twice yeah. It's, it's not intuitive. Mm. I mean, it's 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 got problems, and I will reflect that it's my, in my review. I think my review will probably go up today, later on today. Um, it's got problems, but there is an undeniable charm about it. Um, and and much like um, 
you know, like the best shooters or the best games, there is a there is a core loop to the experience that you know the the rewards that tie into the gameplay that tie into the rewards that tie into the gameplay and it and it does it is a very pleasant um experience you know when you when you ignore the the animal rights element when you ignore yeah. the bad interface and the bad me- online you know and all those sort of sort of periphery problems and the graphical uh, performance is is not brilliant either even on an x it's a bit shonky well the x has got problems because it seems like hdr hasn't been supported properly and it therefore looks very washed out um from what i've heard uh, and the s just runs a bit shit um so it has more frame rate issues so i think you know they're patching it i've seen like at least three patches land for this game already on xbox um so i i mean they are doing stuff um but it's going to be a, a curious, curious one for me to review. Yeah. When you get the multiplayer going, though, it is really good fun. I mean, we mm. I've only really played it two player so far, but once you get a four player squad going, I can imagine that would be fantastic. Yeah, the it's different, it, different play styles complement each other, don't they? So I was going in with a sword. You've got your yeah. ranged weapon. It's it's definitely one of those games where a little bit like Destiny, the game really starts at the end. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like when you've beaten the story. When you've when you've kind of seen all the environments, then you get into the high tier stuff where you're working with three others and you're specializing and you know you know all the systems, you understand all the mechanics. It's definitely not as accessible as Destiny, don't get me wrong, but it, it is one of those sort of MMO type situations where it's the high level end game play is mm. is where it's really when it all sings together the most. Yeah. Um, curious though, I'm glad to, I'm glad to have played it. I am glad to finally have experienced the Monster Hunter game and really dug it in, dug into it. Yeah, it's good. Friend, yes. friend of the show, Adam's playing it as well. He described it as fantasy star universe, but actually a good game. So anyone that hankers for a bit of fantasy star and has been starved of that in West because we haven't had one for many years. Um, this <laughs> Fair enough. That itch. Joel, have you got any questions as the one person not playing the game? No, no. I'm not, to me, I'm just watching some videos of it now, and it, it looks. Yeah, it looks reasonably entertaining. Good fun. Uh, looks like it appeal well to American dentists. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, it, to be, this is one of those games. I, I know I'd enjoy it. I think I'd have a good time with it and things, but um, I just don't have the free time to experience it at the moment. Perhaps further down the line. <laughs> so, Fair enough. so hmm. that takes us to the end of the sort of review segment. And, and I've got a couple of games I, I now wanted to tip a hat to a little bit that I played recently. Um, Forza Horizon 3 and The Witcher 3 post Xbox One X patches are glorious. And if you own these games, you need mm. to play them on your X with the patch. Rich, have you had a chance yet to experience Forza Horizon 3 on the X? I have. Um, Holy shit. I might, I might go all Emperor's New Clothes on this and say it's not as glorious as I thought it would be. Doesn't look as good as Forza 7, for example. And I expected a bit of a downgrade because it's open world, but. I don't know. Well, where are you? I mean, I think the lighting and the the which areas of environmental lighting. Sorry, which areas of the game have you looked in? Because I've booted it up for a couple of minutes and just looked in the like really stark desert bits. I I was in the sort of more detail to build on in those areas. I was in the more temperate areas, like the jungle areas and the the Uh, right. um, Yeah, yeah, the lighting there and stuff, and the water. Uh, it looks looks fantastic, and I think the the environmental lighting, um, you know, it, it's just it just looks amazing. The reflections off the cars and stuff, you know, when you're really flying around, and, and you know, the, the, it doesn't look quite as nice as motorsport, but it's pretty damn close. 
Like, I'm I try it again. It's so really I reckon in those areas that you've mentioned, probably it would make a lot more of a difference. But, Possibly, um, yeah. yeah. Possibly, yeah. And The Witcher Three is it, it runs better than it's ever run. It loading times are massively improved, and it just it already looked amazing, but it unbelievably gorgeous now just mm. that is still one of my or possibly still my favorite game on the platform like that that is just such I a perfect game you really really should i bought it at, at launch still not played it oh, mate it's it's just a, it's just special it's just perfect like as an open world rpg it's just one of the best like really really high up there um the other thing i want to mention i haven't played it but i thought it was worth mentioning spec ops the line is now backwards compatible and if you have yeah. an xbox one oh god and it's on sale right now as well yeah i just got it for 99 yeah fucking buy and play that game like that is one of the most i mean i say most underrated but i think amongst people that play a lot of video games like us we all know how good it is we've all played it but i think a lot of people saw generic shooter when they saw that game and have always dismissed it as that it's oh, not yeah. that it's amazing no, the, the people who've bought it and played it they get it but mm -hmm. there will be a lot of people who've looked at the cover of the box and thought oh, i'll take that at face value that it's one of those shooters it's not it's a comment on those shooters totally different um offering than what you're expecting amazing have you played it joel no, but what the I, fuck, I'm man? Like, I played that fucking game. Mate, I'm get it. Going buy it now. It's Holy amazing. Shit. Do you know? Do you know how? Do you know like the weirdness about it? No. Oh so god! Oh wow! Me. You need to play that. And we talk about it on the next podcast. Okay. That's fan, it's fantastic. You got to stick with give it, it. Give it some time because yep. to yep. begin with, it will feel like every other yep. third-person shooter. It is not. It's, yeah, it's just another Nolan North voiced shooter, isn't it? I forget Nolan North's the lead in that, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but it, it, it oh, oh, it goes places, man. Oh my god, so good. Uh, at three ninety nine, and I think Darkness Two just went up as well. Another great game. Yeah, four ninety nine. That's four ninety nine as well, and that's a fantastic shooter as well. Comic booky, violent, dark. Definitely worth picking up. Really, really cool game. Even if you're not played the first one, don't worry about that. Got um, them both. Yeah, yeah, so did I. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I played them both to completion, yeah. but I'm buying them again. <laughs> damn you, back to that bullshit. God damn it. Um, right, the, the other one I mentioned with a little bit less positively was, you guys check out Observer yet? No. No. Uh, people, Some people were really raving about that last year. Um, and I think it's okay. It's Rookerhauer. It's, you know, dark, dystopic, Blade Runner-esque future. Um, and it's sort of... It's fine. You kind of like it's a bit walking simulator. It's a bit investigatory, and then it's sort of a bit puzzly as well. And you kind of do this thing where you jack into people's brains, um, and then it and then it becomes all very surreal, but in a very kind of predictable video gamey way. Like you know, platforming sections where it's all dark and you can barely see where you need to go, and and shit like that. It's like oh, I remember that bit from Max Payne. That sucked then, and it still sucks now. So it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. People people got very excited about this uh, sort of towards the end of last year. And um, I'm curious about maybe progressing a little bit further through. I picked up on the sale, uh, but it didn't exactly blow me away. But I like Rutger Hauer, so I don't know. We'll see. I might carry on for it. Um, guys, so what, did what you... does he do in the game? Is he just voice acting? So, or? Yeah, he's voice acting the main character. He's the main character. He's you. And it's first person. Um, and he's basically this cyberpunk detective crime noir he's lost his son and he can jack into people's minds and find out their darkest secrets and how they died and shit like that and it's all very gruff and chain smokery and um it has a it, the world is better than the game 
I think that's what it kind of comes down to. Uh, yeah. It's a cool world, but not the most fun to play in. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's it's curious. It's curious. You guys have been playing a really interesting little selection of older games as well. Yeah. Actually, yeah. so uh, who wants to go first? I'll, I'll talk about uh, uh, Dear Esther. I, I played that ages ago on the PC, and I just came up on the Xbox feed. I think it was like ninety nine p for the landmark yeah. edition. I thought, oh, go for oh, it. Nice. Why not? I'll play. For, I'll play for it again. It's a pleasantly short experience. Um, yeah, I think that's about the third time I played through it. It's it's still good. It doesn't quite have the impact of the the first or second time I think I played it through, but yeah, it's kind of where is it? Is it where Walking Sims began? Yes, yeah, I yeah. think it is, isn't it? It's before Gone Home. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's really I you know still really like it. I love the music. Jessica Curry did the whole um, sort of soundtrack for that and things. She's yeah, it's brilliant. Isn't yeah, isn't she? I also, isn't it e- easy achievements on that one as well? And you get a thousand gamer score without even trying. Well, essentially, yeah, you just have to walk through the game and you'll get the majority of the achievements. There are some collectibles, apparently. I, I did look at the yeah. achievements list and it's like find four urns and it's like, well, I didn't ever see anything in this game that you can actually interact with. So, they're not easy to find. They're yeah. not. Um, yeah, they're, I, I did do all of that, but I had to use a guide to find some of them. Yeah, yeah. I probably won't bother going back for it. So, um, But yeah, it was a pleasant walkthrough and things. Um, yeah. Um, and your you know, obs- and your obsession continues I've with Stardew fallen, Valley. I've fallen back off the wagon heavily back into Stardew Valley now. That game's like worse than I, I wish I did drugs. It would probably consume less of my time. Uh, but that game is just so <laughs> freaking addictive. It's uh, it's kind of I go through it. It's I think I've almost burned myself out of it again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's I keep nearly it's buying it on Switch. I keep nearly buying it again. I, I won't buy it on the Switch because I will literally, I will try and play it whilst driving to work and probably kill <laughs> myself. Like, that's, that's the problem that you'll have. Like, you're sat there in slow moving traffic, like, oh, get the Switch out and just start the next farming day. Before you know it, it'll be in a ditch or something. Like, yeah, no, don't. No, I'm, not, I'm not buying it on the Switch. Like, I'd be too dangerous walking down the street playing it, just walking into lampposts and other people. No. <laughs> but what are you doing? You'd be like, I'm farming. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Getting truffles from my pigs. Well, that sounds vaguely sexual. But... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Richard, um, I've been tinkering through COD, COD as well, actually, recently. Uh, the Finishing off the story. Yeah, I just finished it yesterday. Ah, I'm doing like a mission or two every few days. Um, okay. It's pretty, isn't it, on X? Mate, it looks so good. Mm. Um, I feel bad for... Uh, luxuriating over the visuals come the end because uh, it goes quite dark but uh yeah cod world war Two. i have now finished that is well worth a playthrough um i had my doubts over this because going back to world war Two, call of duty's kind of been there done it you know over and over again right but mm-hmm. i don't feel like it's ever done it in this way it's always been more action over kind of what you're there for and this one goes to much greater lengths to explore what people were there for what their experience was what the cost was um yeah if it was it's a worthwhile experience to go through that again in in uh, call of duty experience and looks fantastic um yeah it's um i don't want to spoil where you go at the end but it's not it ta- i think it, it takes the problem I had with it is it takes way too long to get to that resonant point where it's where suddenly yeah. if it grows it grows up and actually does Kinda. do something. 
you. It, it it's more than half the way through the campaign before that's right. it, you it does connect. It sidesteps it. its responsibility there a little, particularly with the opening level being the Normandy beach landings yet again. You know, it just feels like it's treading old ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, mm-hmm. it's not. It does go to new places. Um, oh, I've got to find out. Right, th- I was amazed when you told me you were playing this for the first time, Richard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah. amazed. This is my game of the year it came out in. Gone Home. Yeah, um, it'd been on my list of shame for absolutely for ages. Five years? Yeah, like, wow. yeah, long time. And I've owned it for ages as well because it was on PlayStation Plus for good old um, few years ago. I think it must be a couple of years ago that was on PlayStation Plus. And it's been on Games with Gold on Xbox. A couple I'm of guessing. months ago, I think, because What's that's it? when I played it, yeah. Yeah, well, I've, I've did it on Xbox. I don't remember buying it, so I guess it must have been on games of gold <laughs> and, Showed up. um yeah i just kind of hammered it um over a day two hours i mean well, I think it's I not spent, long no it's not long probably yeah a couple of hours but then i went through and did all the achievements after as well so. uh, did speed running achievements fun isn't it yeah done that so completely rinsed it but what struck me about it one of the interesting things about gone home is that there's quite a lot of secrets in that house to find but mm-hmm. it doesn't sort of gate any of them you can go anywhere you like really from the beginning you can finish the game within a minute if you know what you're looking for yeah but the, the way that it sort of hides all of that and becomes a real journey of exploration and not a sort of um hand-holding exercise with the developer telling you this is what you should discover now and this is where you should go next it's very much more organic than that and you can kind of go and find as you please and yeah. what i did find went in different a much different direction than i expected it, it starts out thinking it's going to be some sort of supernatural uh haunted house experience nothing like that at all it nope. wouldn't be fun from that nope and um yeah it's quite a, quite a touching experience come the end as well you very should um you should play tacoma now and see why i was so disappointed yeah, I was thinking that. Um, I wonder how Tacoma measures up to this then. Doesn't. No. <laughs> it's, it's just no. It's not. It's not the same emotional um, resonance at all. It does. It does some cool stuff with narrative and stuff, but yeah. I didn't connect with it in anywhere near the same way. Um, That's what makes it though. So if it hasn't got that, then you know, it's just just a house, isn't it? What the what Tacoma's on a space station? Oh, just a space station, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's just a space yeah. Station. Sorry, yeah. I mean if, if Gone Home didn't have that, it would yeah. just Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's why it's so fucking clever. Yeah, mm. I think that's why it's such a smart piece of design and and, uh, and the gameplay combination. Yeah. Fantastic. Um and finally, I, I need to I've got this on Switch as well, and I need to play some more because I think I'd really enjoy it. Uh Thimbleweed Thimbleweed Park. Thimbleweed hang on, let me just um tweet you put. Yeah, I've just had a notification come up on my Surface that it's going to reset in 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, Microsoft! Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll sort that in a minute. So Thimbleweed Park is a point-and-click adventure, very much in the ilk of the old Lucasfilm games, so Monkey Island, Zack McCracken, uh, Maniac Mansion, that sort of thing, for people old enough to remember. And it's by some of the guys that did those games. So 
Um, Ron Gilbert, isn't it? Ron Gilbert is the yeah. big name behind this. But there's uh, there's quite a few people that I can't name, I think, that worked on those games that have uh, gone on to produce this. And it's uh, more of a modern take on that genre, really. So still pixelated graphics, so it's very uh, loyal to the original vision of those games. Um, it's still got the op the text options on screen, so you've got to choose uh, whether you open, close, use, talk to, all of that stuff. So you click on what you want to do and then what you want to do it to on the screen. Very old-fashioned, but still works. And um, the game is at pains to tell you that it's not as painful as some of the older graphic adventures. There's no death in this. Um, there aren't unforeseen consequences to the choices that you make. So you haven't got to carefully monitor your save games. You can just play it and enjoy it. And um, it kind of breaks that fourth wall quite a lot throughout the game and tells you what it's doing with the genre, which is quite charming and helpful at the same time. And it's really funny. I don't want to tell you what um, what the story is, really, because it goes to some quite funny places, but it's hilariously written, and um, I really enjoyed it. It, it. You play from the perspective of five different characters, each with their own sort of backstory, their motivations, and different abilities. And um, working between them, you can kind of switch between them any time you like and swap objects between them as well. So that forms the basis of some of the puzzles. Some characters will need objects more than others would need them. Um, they can go to places that other characters can't because of who they are. And uh, it's all focused around a murder mystery to begin with. So a body is found and two agents come to find out who killed this person and why. And the, the story kind of builds from there and goes in unexpected directions very enjoyable game and another one that i've sort of played through from start to finish without break pretty much because i was enjoying it so much oh, that sounds cool can you do me a favor richard can you um can you say to sarah i'll get a bacon and egg sarnie i'll be over in about 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, i just figure while she's while she's doing you your lunch you know she could <laughs> yeah. do me a little something i mean you know while she's there uh maybe sausage as well Mushrooms. You can get here in twenty minutes from Cambridge, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll just use my uh, my teleportation device. No worries, I'll be right there. Um, but I think that takes us to the end. You guys, got anything else you wanted to throw in? Any other little games you've been playing? No, no lots, of, lots of much, yeah. quietly shook heads. Um, no, that's cool. I mean, that's yeah. It's nice to be back doing a regular podcast. We haven't done a normal one in what feels like bloody months. I guess it hasn't been months. Before been Christmas, months. I think. Yeah, would have been a while back. Mm. Uh, might have been November time. I think we did the last um, one in this in this style. So that's been episode forty of BXB's Bits and Bobs. Please follow us at BXB Games on Twitter, BXB Games on Facebook, BXB Games on YouTube. You can even find Joel on Twitter now at Nuclear Red Eye. Now oh, that's that a story has. in itself, isn't it? That you know, I had to join because Ben was saying they're getting some serious uh, heat on his Axiom Verge. So I joined to to see what it was all about. <laughs> it was it was good. It was it was good. Yeah, it's sometimes yeah. weird what 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 articles we post get the most sort of interest, and the mm. fact that that was a review for a game that's been out for three years is kind of surprising but there you go i think everyone was uh, just tweeting about the fact you wrote something rather than i i do still yeah. vaguely remember how uh mm. i don't use the skill very often but it, it does come in handy occasionally when i can't capture footage uh yeah i haven't worked out to do that from the switch yet 
Uh, I thought I could have asked you, Joel, because you've got your fancy capture shit, haven't I? I'm yeah, sure you can you can know. capture it on that, but yeah, I don't think the Switch has a capture mode built in. No, no. I think oh no, it does, but it's only like on supported games. I'm pretty sure they pa- they brought that in in the you system. You can do screenshots, can't you? But can you actually do video? I think you can do video from Zelda or something like that. But it's very short. It's 30 second clips. I think you can do brilliant from games that, that they've patched it into. Geez. Amazing. That sounds like effort, doesn't it? 30 seconds. Jesus. Uh, Richard can be found at Colonel Red. I can be found at DIYE. Um, head over to iTunes to rate and review this podcast if you like it. It helps with visibility, and the more people that listen to it, the more people watch it, the longer we'll be able to keep doing it. Uh, and that's always good. Um, I'm trying to think, what's coming up, guys? What's on the horizon? Um, Bayonetta 2, well, I've just pre ordered on Switch. Okay. Colossus is out this week. Ah, well, right. next week, depending on when your week starts, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. That's 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 soon out for the fourteenth time, and like you know, Bayonetta also out for the umpteenth time as well. I suppose at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that. So we're in that we're in that port season, aren't we? We're in like remake and port season right now. It's a bit quiet uh, while we wait for games to sort of start appearing again. That's cool. Might we might we're going to look more at Atomic, uh, and uh, yeah, come back about all that next time in a couple of weeks. Or thereabouts, or something. I don't know. Might be a week, might be two, might be three. We'd like to keep you waiting. Uh, so thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you all soon. Bye bye. Goodbye. <laughs>